If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everyone, this episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by patrons. Support Switchcraft and my other content at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Alright, well, Nintendo has quite often had this accusation levied at them that they use artificial scarcity or false scarcity in order to drive up demand. So customers will go into a store and they'll see a a Nintendo item on the shelf and they'll say, well, I know that these are hard to find, so maybe I'll just buy it today. I was kind of on the fence on whether or not I was going to buy it, but because it's here now, I'll I'll pick it up. You know, and, and then maybe if I decide that I don't want it, I can turn around and sell it easily because they're hard to find. A lot of people have levied that accusation at Nintendo. Charlie Sabetta, who is a senior director of corporate communications for Nintendo, uh, he kind of, he was interviewed by Ars, Ars Technica, and he said, it's definitely not intentional in terms of shorting the market. We're making it as fast as we can. We want to get as many units out there as we can to support all the software that's coming out right now. Our job really is to get it out as quick as we can, especially for this holiday, because we want it to have the units on shelves to support Super Mario Odyssey. Think about this. There's going to be people who are listening, and they're going to say, well, I mean, of course he's going to say that. But he can't lie about this. Legally, he would get in trouble because Nintendo is a publicly shared company. Any statement that somebody from Nintendo makes to the press could get them in trouble if it's false. Because shareholders depend on the information that they get through the press, even outside of shareholders' briefings. So it would be illegal for him to say, at least in my understanding of the law, and I could be wrong, it would be illegal for him to say that that's true when it was in fact false. So I don't think that they're lying about this. Let's let's look at this. They They really want to have units on the shelves to support Super Mario Odyssey. I think Nintendo was looking at... Super Mario Odyssey as the big thing for their system, which is funny because it launched with Zelda. You know, the Switch launched with Zelda. By all accounts, it's an, you know, just about everybody says that Zelda Breath of the Wild is an amazing game. Some are saying it's the best game ever, you're, you, you, myself included. The fact that this happened in March, they launched a system in March, never having shown it at E3, only doing doing their own marketing, bringing it out with Zelda in March, which is most of the time what people, where they put the, the crap. They usually put the crap out there. Now, I'm not saying that Nintendo thinks that Zelda is crap because I'm sure that Nintendo thinks Zelda is amazing and they are right. But what we have to remember is that, that this, make, this comment makes it feel like this, is, this whole thing in March has been a soft launch. Nintendo's got consoles out there. They launched in March. They've got Zelda to to really get the system moving. Every month, they keep bringing out more games, more really awesome first-party games. And those first-party games are then supported by 
mostly indie titles. And it's working really well. I've got too much to play on my Switch right now. I can't keep up with everything. Well, in in Christmas time, when Super Mario Odyssey is on sale, I think that the Switch is going to be flying off shelves then. Now, they've said uh, earlier that they think that they'll have supply issues fixed by July. I think that what Nintendo did is... I mean, okay, so first off, they sold a good quantity at launch. This is what Sabata says. He said, we anticipated that there was going to be demand for it, but the demand has even, I'm sorry, the demand has been even higher than we thought. We had a good quantity for launch. We sold 2.7 million worldwide in the first month. We're going to have 10 million more by the end of the fiscal year. The Switch launched right at the very tail end of Nintendo's fiscal year, and they sold 2.7 in that first month. That gave that that kind of buoyed their fiscal year for last year. So now we're in the 2017 fiscal year, which ends next April, and they're saying that they're going to be selling 10 million more by the end. Not 10 million, not 10 million total, but 10 million more. So that means 12.7 million. Now, if we look at that, the Wii U, which was a disaster, the Wii U sold 13.6, I believe, million consoles in its entire lifetime. And Nintendo is on track in the first fiscal year to almost catch it. It's almost going to, the Switch is almost going to catch the Wii U's sales after one year. That's really good. That's very, very good. Now, When we are thinking about this and when we're looking at the numbers that they're telling us, what we need to understand is that, again, they marched or they marched. They launched in March. So this has been a soft launch. And what they're doing by the reason I think that they did this is to figure out where demand is before the real launch happens at Christmas time or, well, before Christmas time now in October because... At Christmas time, it's got two really big games, but they're kind of niche titles, whereas Mario is coming out at the end of October. And I think that the end of October is the real launch of the Switch. What they've done from March to October, or what they're doing from March to October, is figuring out, okay, these are the areas that are selling the most Switches, so we need to be able to make sure that when October comes around, we have the right we have the the right number of switches in the right places because that's just as important as getting them on shelves at all is getting them on the right shelves if you are sending 3 million consoles that's a ridiculous number if you're sending 100,000 consoles to target stores in Wisconsin uh and you're sending um 50,000 consoles to a game, game store in um, the UK, and the the demand is higher in the UK market, well, that's a bad idea. You, they need to figure out where's the demand the highest and balance everything out so that when Mario comes out, they have the right number of consoles on the right shelves in the right places so that they can really hammer it home. This way, they don't have any customers leaving without having a switch that they wanted and they don't have switches sitting on shelves unbought and i think what they're doing is from march to october they're collecting data 
They're collecting data to see what that is that they need to do. Well, probably from March to, I don't know, probably August. And then in September, October, they're going to use that data and and make sure that they have everything balanced the right way. And then the switch is just going to fly off the shelves. So I thought this was a pretty interesting interview. Uh, they were asked about um, the NES Classic and the 3DS. And uh, so the NES Classic was discontinued back in April, even though a lot of people really wanted it. And Sabata said, I think we could have done a better job at communicating that that was going to be a limited run. Well, no kidding. Um, you could have put limited edition on the box, you know. Uh, he says it was just supposed to be for that holiday, and they extended it, actually, because demand was so much. Then we stopped producing it. So, basically, what they're saying is they made the NES Classic, which I have one, and it's awesome. But they made the NES Classic, and then they never told anybody that it was a limited edition. And then they were like, oh, okay, well, it's flying off the shelves. They, Nintendo did a really crappy job with the NES Classic. They announced it. The internet went bananas, as it does sometimes. A lot of people were like, where can I pre-order? When can I get it? I want this thing so bad. And Nintendo didn't say anything. And then finally they came out with a launch date. They said, you can go get it on this day. They didn't take pre-orders. They didn't allow pre-orders. Uh, people went and bought it. And then scalpers went and bought it and then resold them for ridiculous prices because the scalpers could see the writing on the wall. And then Nintendo just stopped making them. And they were like, oh, wait, you guys like this thing? Of course we like this thing. People loved the NES Classic. It was an amazing little uh, little box. I, yes, it is a very simple thing. But it looks like the NES. It has a perfect replica of the NES controller. Minus the ridiculously tiny cord. It's really fun to play on. And it's an all-in-one package where I don't have to think about anything. I can just turn it on and play 30 games. And they're really fun games. Well, most of them are really fun games. Of course this thing was going to fly off the shelves. And, and Nintendo pretending that they didn't know that this was going to be a big deal is just stupid. They could... They just look. go on Go on uh, NeoGAF. Go on um, uh, Reddit and read what people are saying. People really wanted this thing. They should have said, okay, holy cow, people are really interested in this thing. Let's ramp up production, and then let's tell them. Let's, let's be honest with people and say, this is just a limited run thing. You know? All that, that's all they had to do. A little, I said this last episode, a little transparency goes a long way. If the company communicates with its um, customers, the customers will be happy and the company will be happy. But Nintendo did not communicate anything to its customers. And so we were just sitting here wondering, when are we going to get more NES Classics in store? And then finally, in April, they were like, yeah, yeah, that was a limited edition thing, so uh, we're done with it. I mean, come on, that was just stupid. Uh, anyway, uh, as far as the 3DS is concerned, uh, Sabetta uh, talked about it, and he said that uh, Nintendo isn't eager to abandon the 66 million players playing more than 1,000 distinct games on the system. Uh, he says, we've still got a long runway for the 3DS on our mind. We didn't focus on it necessarily at our booth in the E3 or the E3 spotlight, uh, but we're talking about it here at the show, Metroid Samus Returns is one that got a lot of reaction. 
Well, duh. As long as we keep making games that will power that system, we think it's a has a good shelf life. All right. Well, I mean, that's fair. Again, I think that you'd be better off supporting mostly the Switch, but but you've got a good point. There's 66 million. I mean, this is crazy. If you look at last generations, and I'm doing air quotes, which you can't see because this is an audio show. Uh, but if you look at, look at last generation's numbers, the 3DS or the DS line outsold everything by quite a bit. And that's not a small feat, especially for a handheld device that had a poor start. Um, the original or the launch of the 3DS did really poorly. And uh, that was because it was priced too high. And then Nintendo had the, the ambassador program after they dropped the price by quite a bit. I can't remember how much, but it was a big amount. And they said, all right, for, so for the people who bought the game or bought the system at launch, at the launch price, we're going to give you um, a bunch of free NES and Super Nintendo or Game Boy games to play on your device, which is cool. I appreciate that. But I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole here and gotten distracted. Um, the main thing here is that the 3DS sold like crazy, and this is in a world where smartphones are available. Everybody got out of the handheld business. Sony looked at the Vita and they said, uh, we're not going to support that. Even though they made it. They made the Vita. And then they just said, we're just going to let Nintendo have it and let Apple have it and let Samsung have it with the phones. We're just going to move on. And Nintendo cleaned up with the 3DS. It basically saved them. It was their uh, lifeboat? No, life preserver. So I can understand them being reticent to abandon it and the 66 million people who bought systems. For those of you who don't know, I play uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. It is an MMO based in the Final Fantasy series of games. It's a very, very good game. It came out as an absolute disastrous garbage heap. Uh, and then the, they they passed off development to a guy named... Uh, what's his, I know it's everybody calls him Yoshi P. Uh, Yoshida. Uh, and he explained that... They want to bring it to Xbox and Switch. Uh, he said, uh, Yoshida said this, he said, on, I've said this on several occasions, but it hasn't changed. We would love for as many players to be on Final Fantasy XIV as possible. Conversations have been had with Mr. Phil Spencer of Microsoft and the upper management teams of Nintendo, but I have proposed a condition every time I speak with any platform manufacturers, it's that the game has to have the capability of cross-platform play. Of course, with an MMORPG, once it launches and is going into live services and operations, there will be a community. No matter how small it dwindles down to, we have to be responsible for taking care of those communities. It would become an obstacle if the first party or manufacturer changed how patches are being implemented or, or online regulations. Some of our external parties' regulations don't have MMORPGs in mind, in terms of how they are regulating their online activities. This probably sounds like Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo, I mean, I think Xbox has MMOs on its platform, and we know that they're fine with PlayStation, so I think he's talking about Nintendo. Uh, those can become a hurdle when we consider operating Final Fantasy XIV for an extended period of time. 
And so when I talk to those first-party companies, I ask them, do you have the capability to prepare for that? Do you have the resolve that you're going to make sure to take responsibility and take care of those? Do you have that willingness? If we are able to come up with some sort of agreement, a handshake, so to speak, or does that end up being that we unfortunately can't do a handshake with Final Fantasy XIV? Either way, we'll make sure to communicate with our players. But we have been tenacious. We have been trying to keep it at keep at it and be persistent about our conversations. So it it's clear that uh, Yoshi P wants to bring um, this, the the uh, Final Fantasy XIV series to the Switch. I would love. I would actually rebuy the game and uh, start all over on my character, probably, if, if he did that. Because I would prefer to play it on the Switch, I think. I think. Right now, I play it on the PC. And it might be tough for me to go to using controls for that game instead of using a keyboard and mouse. Um, recently, they ditched the PlayStation 3 version of Final Fantasy fourteen. Which basically, they took so long to port the game to the the PlayStation 3 because they wanted to get the game running well on the PC first before they brought it to the PlayStation 3. That the PlayStation 3 was almost kind of like on its last legs. And there was uh, they were just keeping a promise at that point. They were like, look, we promised that we were going to bring this game out on the PS3. And so we're going to make good on that promise because we keep our promises. Which is really awesome. I think... If you're looking for a developer that you can trust to take care of something, Yoshida is one of those guys. He seems really genuinely uh, as somebody who cares about what it is that he's doing for his fans and his player base. I remember uh, when Final Fantasy A Realm Reborn first launched. Well, I wasn't playing it then, but I watched a YouTube video because I'm very interested in how this game went from being the slag heap to the shining pinnacle that it is now and it, there's a oh god what is the name of the uh, there's a youtube series i'll try and find it and put it in the show notes but it's basically the oh here it is it's called the fall and rise of final fantasy 14 you should definitely watch this youtube series it's very very good one of my listeners uh actually sent it to me and it's very good but there's one point in uh the youtube series where they're there where yoshi p is standing in front of people and he's explaining, look, we just brought the servers online and the game is not running. Uh, we can't handle the server load of everybody trying to, to do it. And he starts crying. Uh, like, that's a dude that cares. Like, he definitely cares. But anyway, I've kind of gotten uh, off track. Um, so they ditched, they finally have stopped supporting the PlayStation 3 reasons or the PlayStation 3 version of the game. And the reason is, uh, he said, one of the biggest challenges we had was the hardware was trying to access the files, the I.O. or the in-out, the speed at which some of the files were being read on the PS3 hardware and then transferred into memory was slower compared to some of the other platforms. This is a 10-year-old-plus piece of equipment. So when you look at the Switch, yes, the Switch is comparable in power, to a PS3 or an Xbox 360, I think. Probably a little bit more powerful than those. But I.O., there's no physical hard drive. It's a it's flash RAM. It's flash memory. So getting the game onto something like that, 
it's not going to have the same issue that the PlayStation 3 had. Because that's originally why I thought that we would never see Final Fantasy XIV on the Switch, was because, well, they just left the PlayStation 3 behind because it wasn't powerful enough. Well, the real reason was because they couldn't get things to load fast enough, and it was driving people away. Uh, so now that we know that, I think that there's a good chance that we'll see Final... Well, I think that there's a chance that we'll see Final Fantasy XIV on the Switch. It all depends on if Nintendo is is going to allow them to have the same freedom with patches that other companies do and allow cross-platform. Now, good news is, recently we've gotten really good news about cross-platform between Xbox and Switch. Not so much with Sony. So... Here's my question. Could Sony be holding up the, the issues and saying, no, we don't want um, PlayStation stuff intermingling with Xbox stuff and intermingling with Nintendo stuff? So that could be a stumbling block for Final Fantasy XIV coming to the Switch. But another thing might be Nintendo's very, very strict guidelines for how patches uh, happen on the Switch. Now, in a completely unrelated story that I'm going to talk about here, uh, NBA Playgrounds update has been ready for quite a while for the Switch, but he can't get it out there. And so here's uh, here's what he says. He says, first off, I, and this is um, uh, Matthew Kark, Karch Kark. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, K-A-R-C-H, Matthew K-A-R-C-H. Uh, he says, I don't even want to talk about it. I, I can't talk about it publicly but I'm at wit's end. Online has been functional for weeks. So he's saying that the game has, they have functional online. Um, he, he then says, unfortunately, there isn't much of an update I can provide. There are certain elements of our patch that are absolutely essential, but are out of normal Nintendo guidelines. And this is where I'm going to be talking about Final Fantasy 14 and making a link to NBA uh, playgrounds, which is a very weird thing to do. He said, if Nintendo were to approve the patch, it would be released immediately, but we are in the midst of a long process of back and forth to get small matters waived. It isn't that we aren't working on this. In fact, getting this relatively simple patch out has consumed more of our time than making future improvements and additions to the game. When I say it is entirely out of her hands, I'm not sure what he means by her hands. Uh, I mean that. We were put in a position where we needed to get this game out at the same time as other consoles, and because the platform was so new, it suffered in certain areas. There isn't even a change log at this point. It's the same patch that has been sitting there for three weeks. Uh, they then asked what's holding up the approval process. He said the simplest one is patch size. There are num there are excuse me, there are certain size requirements that you can't exceed in a patch. It took us almost three weeks to get an exception to allow our patch to be larger than the normal size, and the reason is it's I'm sorry, the reason I'm sorry, ugh, I can't read. And the reason it is larger is due to the technology we are using and is beyond our control. In fact, we produce we proposed reducing the entire file size of the game from 7 gigs to 3.5 gigs, but because the platform is so new, it doesn't support it now, and that can't be done. More on reducing file size. Nintendo won't allow it initially as their system doesn't support it, but from our end, it's already done. Once we support it, we'll be able to do it. All right, well, now that I'm reading this, I think that a lot of people are going to hear what I just said there. 
And I'm going to get back to NBA Playgrounds in a second, okay? But let, let's talk about what I just read there. Nintendo has strict guidelines for patch sizes. MMOs notoriously have ridiculously huge patch sizes, like massive, absolutely massive patch sizes, especially when they add new content. And so from, from Nintendo's perspective, that's not something that they are set up to deal with. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think that that's a bad thing. I think Nintendo, for a game like Final Fantasy XIV, they definitely need to allow things like that. Because just because it's a different style of game than most games that you play on a console. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the Final Fantasy XIV talk. I want to know, would you guys play Final... Well, first off, do you play Final Fantasy XIV? If you do, would you buy it again on the Switch? And I'm fairly certain that you, if you do buy it on a console, you don't get to transfer your PC characters over. So I'm just curious what you guys think about that. All right, now let's talk about NBA Playgrounds. Because a lot of people probably heard what I just said and they're like, damn you, Nintendo, what's your problem? Well, here's what I think. I think Nintendo is expecting that maybe you'll release a finished game. You know, I I kind I support what Nintendo's doing here. You Nintendo's patch policy is expecting you as a developer to have finished your game before you put it out. And he specifically says in his quote here, he says uh where was it? Um I'm trying to find it. I can't find things. I can't sing while I'm reading. Okay, here it is. We were put in a position where we needed to get this game out at the same time as other consoles. Who put you in that position? You did. You put yourself in that position. I mean, maybe Nintendo said, if you want to put it on our system, it has to be at the same time as other consoles. Okay, then delay your game. By all accounts, the game wasn't ready for any of the consoles when it came out. There were features missing all over the place on on, on the PlayStation 4, on the Xbox One, on the Switch, there were a lot of features that were missing. And your company, Saber, chose to put the game out anyway, thinking, we'll just patch it later. That's not cool, man. Wait until your game is done and then ship it. I know they wanted to release it at the same time as March Madness was going on. I totally get that. That's good for marketing. That's not good for your game, though. If your game is not done, you don't ship it. And so Nintendo expecting a developer to ship a game that is finished and not bring in a, uh, what's the, what's the huge patch size? Oh no, that wasn't patch size. And then, then bring out a large patch right afterwards. That's not cool. Nintendo probably doesn't want the storage on their switch filling up with massive patches. Yes. They're saying that we're, that they want to be able to reduce the file size of the game. Now, he says Nintendo doesn't support that. However, Mr. Shifty, which is a game that recently had a big patch, they reduced their file size down to, I believe, 800 uh, megabytes. No, that can't be right. Is that right? Thirty-two. Yeah, 800 megs. They reduced their file size. So why is it that they could do it, but you can't? I'm just curious. I don't know. I think that I, I, I don't like this. The, the NBA Playgrounds, I feel like... Saber screwed up the launch, and now they're blaming Nintendo because they didn't plan things ahead of time. That's not how it works. 
you plan things ahead of time. You don't release an unfinished game only to patch it later. Uh, I personally don't foresee myself buying anything from Saber in the future. I could be wrong. You know, I say that now and maybe they'll bring out the, the most awesome game ever and I'll have to buy it. But right now, they are not looking like a developer that I could put my trust in. That's just me. Anyway, so Final Fantasy XIV, uh, hopefully it comes to the Switch. NBA Playgrounds, if you bought that game, I hope that they patch it for you so that you can do this stuff. But, you know, I don't like that this guy's trying to shift blame on Nintendo. And trust me, I will call Nintendo out when they do something stupid. I did it in the last segment. They did stupid things with the uh, NES Classic. So it's not like I'm being biased here. At least I don't think I am. If you think I'm being biased, please email me and let me know. Runjumpstomp at gmail.com and call me a biased jerk. Go ahead, do it. You get a low score for this game. Okay, those first two stories I talked for a really long time, so I'm going to lightning around the rest of this stuff. Uh, the Switch sold more than 1 million copies in Japan. Uh, that's really good for Japan. So keep going, Nintendo. That's... Definitely outpacing the Wii U, and it's on pace to meet the Wii. Um, it's actually, if you look at there, uh, a Redditor whose name I forget actually made a graph of other consoles selling in Japan, and the Switch is outpacing the Xbox One, the new 3DS, the Wii U, the PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation 4. Uh, the only two that are actually higher on the current line graph for um for uh, Japan sales is the new 3DS LL and the 3DS LL. Uh, boy, I got to say the 3DS LL really, really nailed it there. And those are the, those are the big screen versions or the XL if, if you don't live in Japan. Uh, anyway, um, I just think it's great. Keep selling stuff, Nintendo. Um, Katsuki Yabuki, who uh, will forever have a uh, move in in arms named after him called the Yabuki. He says, stop using buttons. He says that the game is better played with motion controls. I get it, man. I'm going to keep using buttons. I can't get the movement down in the game. I probably could if buttons weren't an option, but I just have so much fun just playing it with traditional controls in arms. So, uh, Katsuke Yabuki, I'm going to keep using buttons. You're probably going to beat me, though, and I'm fine with that. Uh, let's see. Project Mikuru, which I previously have said has a terrible name, uh, will be renamed outside of Japan. Yay! It's going to be called Flip Wars, and that's the one where you are like these little characters on a white board, and you butt stomp the board, and it, the colors of the different parts of the board change to your color, and whoever has the most... Um, the most tiles on the board of their color wins. Uh, and that, that's cool. And I said that the the game would be held back by using the name Project Mikuru outside of Japan because I don't know what Mikuru means, and most people probably don't, at least outside of Japan. Uh, so Flip Wars, much better name. I think Flip Wars is is very good name. Now, currently this is only in Europe, but I'm sure that the same name will be used in the U.S. Um, and then we've got NPD numbers for May. Uh, the Switch was the number two in hardware. The number one in hardware was actually the PS4. Um, I think that both are good systems. I'm looking forward to seeing what, I mean, what would that be like if you could get an, a Switch wherever you wanted? If Nintendo had these things figured out. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, Nintendo has said 
that in July is when they think that they'll have their supply shortages uh, fixed. Uh, so I'm very interested to see the July or the August NPD numbers, especially since uh, Splatoon 2 comes out in July. I got to say that Nintendo selling a million units uh, of the Switch at this point is great. But when Splatoon 2 comes out in Japan, it is going to be an absolute chaotic mess. Like, it is going to be crazy people trying to find a Switch. Because, I don't know if you are aware, but Splatoon 1 had a a ridiculously high attach rate in Japan. That game is huge in Japan. And I'm looking forward to seeing the, uh, (laughs) the chaos that ensues when Splatoon 2 comes out over there. Um, Nintendo better make sure that they have stocked up on shelves. I'm, in fact, I wonder if when Splatoon 2 comes out, it'll be easier, it'll be harder to find uh, Switch in the U.S. because they'll reserve more for Japan just to support Splatoon 2. That's just a guess. I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, the top games that sold in May 2017, Injustice 2 was the number one. Uh, this is really interesting. Uh, however, hold on, I just got to read this. Uh, so I'm looking at the number one spot is Injustice 2. It says this game is higher than Mario Kart 8's year to date. So it's above 460,000 from last month. Wow. Holy cow. That surprises me. I did not expect a fighting game based on DC characters to be, uh, the top seller, but it sold, it outsold Mario Kart 8 Deluxe this month plus last month's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That's pretty crazy. Um, now, this does not include any digital stuff um, and it at all. So if, if the game sold digitally, it's not listed in here. And so we don't know if Mario Kart 8 Deluxe outsold Injustice 2 via digital stuff. Like, I think most people probably want to have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe digitally, because it's one of those games that it's it's what Nintendo calls an evergreen title, and they, they just always want to have it in their system. Uh, anyway, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe takes the number two spot. Number three spot, which is crazy to me, is Grand Theft Auto Five. I mean, this game, when did this game come out? And it is still, every single month, it is in the top ten. It is amazing how many copies of Grand Theft Auto Five have been sold. So good on you, Rockstar. Number four is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, again, those are probably people who couldn't get a switch the first uh, at first and they're picking it up and now they're, they're buying, of course, the big game for it. Uh, and, uh, then we've got prey and Tom Clancy's ghost recon wildlands. That's interesting. Cause that, that's an older game too. I think that's like a few months old and then fire emblem shadows or fire emblem echo shadows of Valencia and then NBA 2k 17 and MLB the show. Uh, and if you want to see the rest of the list, definitely check it out in the link in the show notes. But um, it looks like Nintendo didn't have as good a month as as uh, previously. We'll see how June is uh, when those NPD numbers come out with ARMS. I'm very interested to see how ARMS did compared to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with the NPD numbers. All right. Well, everybody... That's it. That's all the time that we have for today. If there's a story that I missed, let me know. I know I was kind of rambly today. I don't know. I didn't sleep well last night, and so my brain is not quite awake, and it's it's early in the morning, and I'm recording. Hopefully nothing happens today before I get the episode out. Um, if there's a story that I missed, please let me know. You can email runjumpstomp at gmail.com. 
uh, give me a call, 260-RUN-JUMP. That's 260-786-5867. You can jump on the Discord and talk to me. We've had really good conversations the past few days about Final Fantasy and um, uh, Zelda and stuff like that. Just join at runjumpstomp.com slash Discord. And, of course, stop by the live stream. I had a really fun live stream yesterday playing ARMS on twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Uh, we had a blast beating each other up. Um, if you're looking for ways to support the show, number one way that you can support the show that is absolutely free is to give a review on iTunes. I recently had, uh, in one day, two bad reviews on iTunes and it kind of, and, and they didn't actually review it. They just gave it a bad rating. One, one star, one, two star. And that killed my, it brought my, my five star average down. So uh, I could really use your help to help me give that five-star rating again. Uh, right now we're sitting at four-and-a-half stars, and a five-star rating would really be awesome. Anyway, moving on, if you're looking for monetary ways to support the show, if you buy stuff on Amazon and you don't want to spend any extra, you can still support the show just by buying stuff on Amazon through my Amazon affiliate link. You can buy... Um, Nintendo Switch dock socks from my wife or zippered pouches featuring Nintendo characters uh, at her Etsy shop. And you can, of course, join the Patreon at whatever level you want. There are rewards uh, there for you based on what you're doing. So anyway, thank you guys so much, and I will see you guys next time. All of the links that I said before uh, can be found for the dock socks and the Patreon and everything can be found at runjumpstomp.com slash support. I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.